1: This is one area of parenting where I'm sure we're all happy to see our babies growing up. It's the phase where it's less diapers and more big kid panties. When do you know when the time is right? How do you teach them how to use the big kid potty? I'm Dr. Lori Rappaport, Cognitive Behavioral Therapist, Parent Educator, and Founder of the Growing Up Great Parenting Programs, and this is Parent Savers, Episode 23.
3: Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I am your host, Casey Wilt, and you can now download our free app. So check it out on your smartphone or tablet. Visit our website, Parentsavers.com, for more info. And we want you to be a part of the show. Did you know that you can email one of our experts directly and ask parenting questions? If you have a question that we didn't answer in an episode, send it in. We have so many great, knowledgeable experts partnering with us to get your question answered. So you can send us a message on the episode that's online or through the Facebook or email. And we are so excited to announce the Parent Savers Club. This is an exclusive membership club available to all of our listeners. It gives you access to all the archived episodes, written transcripts of the show, plus a special monthly newsletter with special giveaways, discounts, and so much more. You can access all this great information through the web or through our new Parent Savers app. For more information, visit the website parentsavers.com and click on the members link at the Top of the page. So I am a new parent myself. My Carson is getting older and older and he's now twenty-two months old. We're not two. I will not I will still refer to him in months. (laughs) And I'm joined by two new parents here in the studio.
4: I'm Danelle Datois and I'm 32 and I'm a working mom and have a two and a half year old son named Jude. I'm Naomi O'Grady. I'm thirty-four years old. I'm a marketing professional
5: at a local biotech company. And I'm really excited to hear about this topic of potty training because I have 18-month-old boy-girl twins and I have lots and lots of diapers. (laughs) I'm looking forward to saving some money by flushing all that down the toilet.
0: (laughs) Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. We have an email
3: from one of our listeners. My name is Brett, and I live in Pittsburgh. I think my child has an ear infection. It's been really hot here, and we've been swimming a lot, and I think that's how he got the ear infection. I'd rather not give him traditional antibiotics. I was hoping you could suggest some holistic alternatives for this ear infection or for any future ones he has. Thanks so much.
0: Hi, Brett. This is Dr. Tara Zansleep from South Park Doctor. If your son's ear hurts when you move the outer ear and maybe itches too, then it is likely swimmer's ear. It's in the canal and it can be cured topically. You can use a few drops of vinegar three times a day for three days in each ear. Or you can mix um, an equal amount of water, vinegar, and hydrogen peroxide together and put in the, some in the ear at night with a cotton ball to hold it in there. To prevent swimmer's ear, place a few drops of oil in the ear canals before swimming or use earplugs. Avoid dirty water like in some rivers and lakes and dry the outer ear thoroughly after swimming. Don't forget to tip the ear down towards the ground one at a time to let the water drain out after swimming. But don't hit the head above the ear. It doesn't help the water get out. If the infection is deeper in the middle ear, it causes a lot of deep pain and the kids end up crying a lot and they, it often causes a fever. The ears may pop when the child swallows or yawns. These generally cure themselves in 24 to 48 hours if the immune system is strong. So I would say boost it with vitamin C like in orange juice, with omegas in fish or kid supplements and some herbs like uh, golden seal and echinacea or even the Chinese treatment of astragalus to boost the immune system. You could consider a homeopathic treatment like Hyland's ear tablets. You could even try a garlic or lobelia extract um, and put a few drops in the ear. All of those are great cures for a middle ear infection. Don't forget to treat the pain. That is the most important. You can use Tylenol or Motrin. Or you could use a few drops of warm but not hot olive oil and keep it in there with a cotton ball. The oil equalizes the pressure with the fluid in the middle ear and that releases the pressure off the eardrum. And that's what causes the pain. If there's any drainage from the ear, do not put drops in. I hope this helps. Bye-bye.
3: If you have a question for one of our experts, call the Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775 and we'll answer your question on a future episode. Today on Parent Savers, we have Dr. Lori Rappaport, parent educator, here to help us learn how to potty train our children. Is there anything in the younger months that we can do to help prepare our baby when they're still in diapers?
1: Sure, there's a lot of things you can do. Certainly, modeling is key. Just as you talk to your baby to develop language before they can even speak, we talk about potty training, and we notice the toilet and recognize that, oh, mommy's going pee. For those of you that are open and allow your children into the bathroom, and those of you who don't necessarily have a choice, um, (laughs) like having twins, (laughs) they follow you everywhere, that having them see you going or seeing if there are older siblings that are going and making that a part of everyday language is very important. So talking about about it using the toilet talking using the words pee and poop asking your child to let you know when their diaper is soiled. Are you wet? Let me change you. Um, Identifying the behaviors they're doing, like, oh, you're going poop. You can tell when they're hiding behind the couch, or they're grunting, or they stop all of a sudden and playing, and you say, oh, you're going poop. Very casually, very comfortably, but again, we're labeling those behaviors for them. You can get a potty chair if you want to, and have that in the bathroom. They can sit when you're sitting. They can have it in there. They know that it's there, and you can talk about it very future oriented oh when you're ready to use the potty you'll get to sit on that chair so that they know that it's there and they know it's waiting for them but keep it future oriented don't put pressure on them do you want to use it do you want to use it we just want them
4: what age do you think is appropriate to start potty training
1: You know it varies somewhere between 18 and and 24 months people think about that and it really depends on your child Um, it depends on their signs of readiness so they can show you if they're starting to wake up with a dry diaper at nap time if they're telling you and they don't like being wet or dirty when they're dirty um, if you see that they have a very a big interest if they're talking about it oh i want to go on the potty then it usually gives you a sense that they're ready for that that's not a start a, a steadfast rule some kids aren't ready at 18 to 24 months and boys tend to be on the later side um, and that as well and those who have older siblings tend to be a little earlier because they're seeing that mm. and they're they're in the bathroom a lot watching you with them
3: is there a parental readiness <laughs> there
1: certainly is that's a great question I think that parents have to be more ready for potty training than kids. Mm. You have to be ready to commit. It is a huge change. You mentioned two and diapers. This The expression two and diapers used to be when we had to wash them and we couldn't wait <laughs> to get them out. Now disposable diapers are pretty easy and they're a lot easier than toilet training. When you're in the middle of the mall and you're online and they say, I got to go, you got to drop everything and go. If they're wearing a diaper, you can finish your transaction. Mm. So diapers actually make it easier for us as parents to live our lives. So we have, to be ready for how it imposes on us and be very attentive and aware of our child and ready to move at any given moment. And we're not always ready for that. Um, Parents need to be ready if if you're contemplating a big move, if you're having a new baby, if you're changing jobs, those are not good times. Well, everyone wants
3: to do when they're having a new baby because they're trying to, like, speed it up for the...
1: Exactly, but the problem is that your pressure, the pressure you feel and the intensity and the desire, translates to your child, and there's one, there are two things you will never get your child to do on your on your watch. One is go to the bathroom and one is eat. Those are two behaviors that no matter what you do, they're in charge and they know it. And we cause some really difficult struggles if we try to force them to potty train. And you could then run into some of the more difficult issues we have like encaprices, where we see kids who are holding their bowel movements. And that, that can be very, very difficult from a health perspective to treat as well.
3: My child's a little oblivious. Um, I never know when he's pooping. I never know when he's um, doing that. Other than he gets rashes, so he says, Stinky, stinky. So I'm excited because he's now saying he has a stinky, uh-huh. which is really exciting. So um, I've been trying to put him on the potty, you know. Stare, and he's Occasionally when he lets me sit down, because he likes to move, he doesn't like to sit in one spot. So that's kind of hard because I, I have friends who will put them on the potty and then just wait and wait and wait for them to go. When they go, they get a reward or something, and then they get excited or something okay. so that the child knows that, you go to the bathroom on the potty is a good thing my child won't sit on the potty won't sit anywhere and then when he does he thinks it's a game and he sits there and he goes psst (laughs) (laughs) Uh and so (laughs) um and i'm trying like i was in the bathroom the other day and i was like mommy's going potty and he comes up and he got about five eight all of a sudden he just looks down and he's trying to look at me going potty it was a little bit too close for a comfort telling him to step away a little bit but it was it was cute in that way that he was interested in it but He's so oblivious to anything else that I'm like. Ugh, I have other friends, you know, the same age that are boys that are, you know, moving a little bit more forward, and I feel like I'm kind of in a stagnant spot. With he's him.
1: 22 months. I he's know. not ready, and he's letting you know that okay. he finds it curious, but he's just not interested. When children are ready, it should take about three days of real dedicated time to get them to understand and be able to use the potty. That's not saying they won't have accidents, but the transition's very very quick. When children aren't ready, and we're forcing them, and we're talking, and we're going, don't you want to use the potty? It could take six months mm-hmm. of, of non-stop, this day we wear underwear, tomorrow we don't wear underwear. You know, all of that, again, has to do with parental readiness. If you're ready to commit and train your child, and your child is showing those signs, then you have to be focused. And I think it's really important not to Sometimes get excited and let them use it, and other times when it's not convenient for us. No, no, Mm. we're not going to do that. I'm going to put a diaper on you because we're going out for the afternoon, and, you know, you'll have an accident. You really need to be ready. Once the underwear comes out, it doesn't leave. Hmm. So don't buy the underwear because it's fun and you think they're excited and they want to see it. Buy it because you're ready, and take away the diapers. Once the underwear comes out, the diapers are gone. That's what they have pull-ups for that you can use those at night, um, and they should only be used at night. And if you're not ready for the inconvenience of, oh, my, we're going out to play group, and you're going to maybe have an accident, then you're not ready to toilet train your child. Are you
3: going to scar your child, for example, me sitting my son on the toilet seat and pushing it? Or am I pushing him... To away from it that he's not going to be interested in or um, if I put him you know I have other friends that put their kids back and forth through big kid underwear and diapers and they have accidents is that going to be something that's going to you know, scar them from actually using it properly, the potty? That's a hard question because a lot of it
1: depends on parental reaction. So when you're ready to toilet train your child, what's most important is getting them in a routine and getting them sitting. It's not necessarily important what comes out at that moment, but the idea that they want to sit, that we practice sitting, and sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't. We want them to sit for at least two minutes, not get on and get off and go, oh, I don't have to go because, of course, as you know, it takes a while for your body to develop, that reflex. So we reward them for sitting. When they're ready to go, that we sit down and say, okay, if you sit for two minutes, you get a sticker. Or I love to use um, little gummy bears, little M&Ms, little jelly bellies. Very minute rewards that you get one for sitting, but you have to sit for two minutes. They might want to sit 10 times in in a two-hour period, which is great because the more practice they have, Mm -hmm. the more likely that if they're sitting, something's going to come out. When it does come out, you let them know, wow, look at that. You did that, they get three for peeing in the potty and five for pooping. So we reserve that, and and that's really a standard of one, three, five to give them an idea that just getting into the routine is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So when you're sitting down and getting them ready, you want to give them a three-day period, and I, I like to call it potty camp. Where you're ready, you hole up in your house, you're around, it's not leaving them naked because we want them to experience wet underwear. Are you washing a lot in that day? Probably, but so what? You want that to pump them full of liquids, get an array of juice boxes that will excite them, and let them drink a lot. And because <laughs> practice makes, makes them learn. So if we only pee once every couple of hours, it's not really we're not going to catch it. Mm-hmm. But if we pump them full of liquids, all things that they want to drink, they're going to pee more often, and we reward them for sitting. And we do that in a three-day period where we let them know, let's go try to sit. If you catch them going to the bathroom and they start to have a, a poop in their underwear or they pee in their underwear, say, oh, okay, you're ready to go. Let's go try and see if there's any left to go on the potty, still bring them to the potty. Have them sit down because what we're teaching them is when you feel that, this is what you're gonna do. And kids tend to not recognize it until it's happening. Mm -hmm. And then as they get a little better at it and they're toilet trained, our biggest nightmare is they say, I need to go. And within two seconds, (laughs) if you're not at a bathroom, It's not enough time. But they will learn developmentally. It's a neurological connection. They will learn how to make that connection over a longer period of time. So much of the scarring you're talking about comes from our reactions as parents, where we've asked them before we've left the mall, do you need to go? They say no. We we buy that. We walk out, and there we get to the car, and what do they do? Have to go, and we're upset with them. And so they learn, and they see, oh, when I tell mom I need to go or dad I need to go, they get upset it's not really that it's just that we tend to because we've already asked them or in the case of twins one has gone and you make the silly mistake of not making the other one try and you get back to the car and it feels like when you're training twins you're forever at a potty. That's why I recommend keeping (laughs) one in your car I Keeping a potty seat in your car, you is know, very actually, helpful.
3: I've, um, I had a family I worked for at one point, and they did. They, and it was awesome because we'd be in downtown L.A. and they were like, "Uh, don't know where a bathroom is nearby. Oh, open the trunk, and there you are. It was and right there. The it was. Oh, it was great. They are great. It, it really is one of those things that you don't have to feel right. oh, frustrated. And they won't be fifteen going on a potty <laughs> in the car, so don't fear that you're setting
1: a bad habit. But it is a convenience, and at that moment in their life, it's more important they get on a potty than where it's located.
3: Okay, is there ones that you can strap to your hip as you're walking around? (laughs) (laughs) Those are those inflatable ones you can blow up, but I don't recommend those. They're not all
1: that fun.
5: My um, my twins are a boy and a girl and I've been starting to strategize like maybe I should start with the girl first since she's a little bit more mature. Can you kind of talk about the difference between boys and girls and their readiness and how potty training is different? And then any suggestions for
1: someone with twins? Would it be advisable to try to get one over the hump first before starting with the other? Sure. I think that in the in the general sense as we talk in generalizations, girls are are earlier than boys in a lot of ways when they mature early. So if your girl is ready and your boy is not then don't make don't pressure him or make him feel badly that he's not Allow her to train if she's ready. You don't want to hold her back. And just mention to him, oh, well, when you're ready, you're gonna. You know, when you get bigger, you're going to go on the potty too. Mm-hmm. Always talk future-oriented as you're confident that this is going to happen for them, not that you're worried about it. What you don't want to do is say, do you want to get on? Do you want to go with her? Because you're pushing them, and they know they're not stupid. They know you want them on the potty, and it's overwhelming to them. If they're not ready, they get scared. Um, what's different about boys and girls is the stand-sit. Right. Um, For boys who have older siblings or who see their dads a lot, they may want to start off standing. They may have a desire. They may have that in their head, and that's okay. It's generally easier for boys to learn how to sit and learn how to push their penis down um, than it is to stand up and try to get it in the toilet. But, again, because of the role modeling, sometimes they have a desire. If they are desiring that, we certainly don't want to discourage them and tell them no. Cheerios are great. Fruit Loops, any round little cereals you can put in the toilet. You don't have to invest in those very expensive toilet targets. Cheerio cereal, they work just as well. And teaching them to aim for that, it's a game, it's fun.
3: What age do you recommend going from standing, uh, sitting to standing for little boys?
1: You know, there's not really a particular age. They will desire that. When they get to preschool, if you've trained them before and they're seeing other kids, they're going to start to notice that. They get a little aware. And they may say, I want to stand up. Or they may want to sit for a long period of time, really as long as are going in the toilet. It's not a big deal. Don't ask them, well, don't you want to stand? You know, thinking, well, gee, all of my friend's kids are standing now, therefore should mine. Not if he's comfortable. Bathrooms are very private. No one has to watch you. However he wants to do it is fine.
4: Now, what does potty training look like and how do we go about doing it?
1: Well, as we were talking about before, I like to call, you know, I like to dedicate at least three days where you can be around the house and you're ready, so you're not planning on taking them anywhere, and have a nice array of juices, have gone out and got them some fun underwear, there's so many different kinds, and be excited that they're now going to wear a big boy or big girl underwear, and get a reward, something that they're going to use for the potty. It helps if you understand their schedule, if you have a schedule. So if you notice, and and before you're ready to potty train, if you notice that, gee, my child tends to go have a bowel movement after breakfast, usually about 20 minutes after, or sometime when he wakes up from a nap, or sometime before dinner, if you can target those times and you kind of know where they're at, you can have them sitting then. And you can talk about practice sitting. We're going to go practice sitting. Um, when you're pumping them full of liquids, they're going to urinate a lot more frequently. So you have that chance if they, if they all of a sudden are wet and say, oh, you, you peed. Look at that. You're all wet. Well, let's go see if there's any more to come out. Bring them to the bathroom. Let them sit. Get them involved in the routine of changing their clothes. Don't change them. We're looking at them being bigger. We want them to take responsibility. One of the first things we want to do is, okay, well, you got wet. Take off your wet underwear. Here's where you put it. You probably don't have them throw it in the hamper. You might have them put it in a plastic bag or maybe put it directly in the laundry room. All of those things. Wow, you did a great job. We want to reinforce them that it's normal and okay. Let them feel competent so they didn't go in the potty right away, but they were able to put to change themselves, to put their underwear where it needed to be. That's all steps in the process of becoming independent and feeling good about themselves. If we whip them off and lay them down on a changing table, change their underwear, clean them up, what are we really doing? We're just substituting diapers um, for underwear. So we really want them to be a part of that. Keep them around the house during that time. Notice their routine. You'll notice a child, and you might notice now, may poop several times a day. As they get potty trained, they tend to poop fewer fewer times a day. It kind of consolidates because they have to think about it. Their body changes. So you'll start to see that, and you want to have them sit. If you see them going and you can tell that red face or say, you know, ask them, say, hey, I see that you you have to poop. Would you like to try sitting? They may or may not want to do that. Don't get into a power struggle with them. If they're doing that and they've pooped already in their pants, say, okay, well, let's go empty it. Poop goes in the toilet. Have them go. Have them help you. Put it in the toilet. Flush it do something with the um, un- either underwear, whatever they're wearing, uh, where do you want them to put it, to clean it, all of that, so they understand that.
4: And if your child's in daycare, do you start at home potty training, or do you have daycare start? Which one would you recommend? You're
1: going to have to work hand in hand. Yeah. And anyone that watches your child, if you establish a routine and you've done your three days of potty camp, by no means does that mean they're completely trained. The caregivers, the grandparents, whoever's going to be with your child needs to participate in the routine. That needs that means they need a little bag of jelly beans with them. They need to understand the scoring system. In the same way with daycare, there are many daycares um, that will help you initiate potty training. They do it all together, and some kids that aren't ready but see their peers want to. Um, but your child needs to be ready as well. I get a lot of panic calls sometime around July where parents have signed their kids up for preschool that needs them to be potty trained, and lo and behold, they're freaking out and they're pushing potty training on their child. You can't make them potty train. And if you're in a couple-hour preschool, pull-ups are great. They can be in pull-ups, and if they have an accident, they have an accident. So it really isn't one or the other. I think you need to go hand in hand. If you start potty training at home, then share that with the daycare and vice versa.
4: Would you recommend using pulps just for night, or... Because I feel like pulps are kind of diapers just with sides, so... Which one would you prefer?
1: When you're ready to potty train, then they're ready for underwear. If if you're making that commitment, then you make the commitment to underwear. Uh-huh. And pull-ups are four at night.
3: And that seems scary because right now, you know, my child's 22 months old. And to think that, okay, so let's say he's a little bit more advanced like some of his other friends that are his age that are going in the toilet. They, I still don't look at their kids at 22, 23, 24 months as being able to cut off diapers 100%. You know, like they do a really good job and they go to the bathroom and the toilet... Uh, 60% of the time, you know, but it's not 80%, you know, are we doing a detriment if we, like you said earlier throw them in diapers
1: well if you're you're talking about a 60% i guess the question is are these parents trying to toilet train them they're in a process of yes. several months of toilet training when it shouldn't take several months if your child is ready uh, so you're you're slowly toilet training sometimes you do it sometimes you may not offer it to them because you're out to dinner and it's not convenient that's not toilet training
3: okay so you recommend waiting till they're older maybe what i mean what's a general age so that I'm not looking at my son Carson at 22 months, going, okay, we're gonna start putting you on the potty. Maybe I'm, maybe I'll shelve it until he's 30 months. I mean, what's a good general? You know,
1: a- average at this point. It, well, I said 18 to 24 months is some time around the time that people start to look and think more girls are two to two and a half, more boys are two and a half and older. And again, it varies widely depending on your birth order, whether you're a first child, a fourth child, um, but. When you're watching people toilet train for months, they're not really toilet training if that child doesn't have access to the toilet all the time and that parent isn't vigilant about, okay, he went an hour ago, we need to have access, let's go try. When you're toilet training, you're on top of those things. So there's not a huge benefit, and they don't toilet train any easy, any faster because that child who started at 22 months, 60% of the time, is now potty trained when they're two and a half to 2, 10 you know, even three. So what did you buy yourself? But there can be that distress for the child over the frustration of a parent. a long period
3: of time. Depending
1: on how you handle what you would consider an accident or not. Hmm. So when you're ready, what happens with a diaper is that kids really sense that you know the diapers there for them so if they don't feel like stopping and going to the potty a pull-up or a diaper catches it there's no detriment when you have underwear and it's wet a lot and you don't like to have to stop again, take care of your own underwear, go put it in the laundry room, clean yourself up, use the wipes, get new underwear out of your drawer. You can follow your child and help them, but really having them do that, that's annoying. Most kids don't stop to go to the bathroom because they're playing, you notice, and they don't want to stop. Well, if they don't have to worry about taking care of themselves, that's That's they're not going to do that either. When you create that routine, they sort of stop and think it's easier to go to the bathroom than it is to have to go through all of that. Well, and I can't picture
3: a same same aspect. I can't picture my 22 month old explaining that to him. Go. Put this there. No. Take this there. Do that. I mean, I'm lucky if he ends up putting his pajamas in the hamper. You know, if, if that happens. <laughs> and you walk so. with
1: him, and you do that if you're in the but midst he, of yeah, training. And he's but not he's old old enough. not ready for mm-hmm. that, right? Now there are some girls who could be 22 months who are very verbal and and really ready for mm. that.
3: When we come back, we'll talk about how to get your toddler to tinkle on the toilet, plus what to do when your child has regression. We'll be right back.
6: Swimsuit check. Sunscreen check. Phone charger check.
3: We're back with Dr. Lori Rappaport talking about potty training our kids. So are there any other methods that we can use to help our child use the toilet? One key thing, because I hear people have lots
1: of potties, it's okay to have a lot of potties if you have a lot of bathrooms. Potties belong in the bathroom. They don't belong in front of the television in the family room. Mm -hmm. And many people make the mistake of having a potty in every room so that if the kids wanna go, they can sit (laughs) right then and there. That's not realistic. We want them to think about it. So you wanna have your potty in your bathroom. There's really two components to, to potty training. One is a reinforcement for that, and two is a routine. Having some kind of routine, sitting with them. As adults, we sit and we read magazines. Lots of people bring their telephone into the bathroom now. We sit. It's a time that you stop and you take a little bit of time to go to the bathroom. It doesn't happen immediately for some people. We want our kids to have a routine. If you notice, after breakfast, we go sit. After nap time, we go sit. When you get up in the morning, even if your diaper is a little wet, or especially if it's dry, let's go sit on the potty, that it's time to sit. And it's not, so it's less of noticing a cue in them and asking them, do you need to go, do you need to go, because that makes them anxious, than having certain times that you're aware is part of their schedule and they need to go sit. So, giving And every
3: time they sit, you reward them with? With one,
1: right, that if they're sitting for at least two minutes. Now, if they sit and get up, well, no, you have to sit longer to get to get one. We need to sit, have books in the bathroom, have a little basket of books, something to sit. Say, well, let's read a book while you're sitting and maybe you'll go potty while we're reading. So we take their mind off of it because we don't want them to be anxious and focused. If they don't go, say, well, you did a really good job sitting. Maybe next time something will come out. We're not hugely invested. When you're hugely invested in what's coming out, nothing comes out
3: can you come home with me <laughs> 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 you uh, uh, the your language is so positive you know like even when I try to be positive and do positive reinforcement. Like, I do do it, but yours just flows so nice.
1: (laughs) The reason I say we need a three-day potty camp and the reason the number one readiness sign for toilet training is parental readiness is because you have to be in a place where you're completely tuned into your child. You're checking the clock. You're monitoring how much they drank, what time they were last on the potty, because then you're not anxious. When you're catching your child because you're doing six other things and you look at him and realize, oh, no, he looks like he kind of sco- go. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? And we get very anxious. What do you think happens to our child? If they're the least bit scared of the potty, which it can be very scary for them, and many kids are afraid of the flush. So be careful in those new bathrooms with the automatics. Stick your hand over the light and don't let it flush for them. Make, let them get off before you allow it to flush and have them stand back. Um... Kids are scared, and they don't want to do it, and they say, no, 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 I don't have to, and then they have an accident, and we as parents get frustrated with them, and rightfully so, you know, there are lots of things going on in your life, you may be pregnant, you may have a newborn, and so we often don't have the patience we need to have in that moment.
5: For nighttime, I have a lot of girlfriends that have told me, you know, pull ups are bad, that it'll prolong bedwetting and you should just go cold turkey and, and not wear pull ups at all.
1: Pull ups are great. Okay. Um, not when you're 12, unless you have some serious issues. And, and it's wonderful that they do make them that large these days. But pull ups. I think are, they make them
3: for 65 years old. They too, do. Well.
1: <laughs> pull ups are great at night because they allow you to put your child, get your child ready for bed have a bathroom time before bed and just slide the pull-up down but when they're not yet ready to be continent all night long, then the thing is that the pull-ups really save us as parents and save the kids from waking up wet every day. For many kids, nighttime nighttime dryness comes later than daytime. There are some kids who kind of train and within, you know, the same period both happen, but for many kids it could be even 6 months to some kids even a couple of years and we know that nighttime wetting is genetically inherited, so if you or your spouse had issues with wedding late into your you know elementary school years, then it's likely that and it wouldn't be surprising for your child to have those issues so and is that's neurological
5: is it psychological that they have the the diaper on or the pull up so they 're going to pee, or is it physical that they can 't help it and they 're going to go anyway
1: well, there's two things when you 're nighttime and you haven't yet neurologically gotten that component down to be able to be dry Mm -hmm. then the pull-up is there for you but it allows you to go to the bathroom at night and if you happen to wake up in the morning early and you're still dry you can get them to the bathroom and certainly have them wow your pull-up is dry let's go see it's time to do sitting and we sit every morning even if you wake up with your pull-up drenched in something because again we all go to the bathroom when we wake up in the morning it's a routine you want to start for, for the kids, if they're wearing a pull-up more during the day, then they tend to use it when they don't feel like going to the bathroom. There are some kids at night, and you know those kids who wake up dry many times in the morning, or will, you'll, put, uh, you'll put, get them ready for bed, and their pull-up is dry, and before they even get into bed, their pull-up is soaked, but all day long they're continent. Then they're they're just not wanting to go to the bathroom. They don't feel like it, and they do feel that safety of a pull-up. Those are the kids where we hold a pull-up till we get right into bed. So we let them get in their pajamas, they have on underwear, we allow them to play, do your nighttime routine, read, and before you get into bed, then you put the pull-up on. Because otherwise, many of those kids and those might be your friends who are saying, the pull-up's wet and we haven't even gone to bed yet. Yes, because it's on and they feel like, ah, oh, I don't have to bother. It's it's a hassle to go to the bathroom. And if you don't mind, there are some kids who really mind going in a diaper. There are other kids who really don't
3: care. No, this might be a minute thing. Um, it's okay just to keep a diaper. I mean, we, we cloth diaper, and I don't want to go buy pull-ups. Can I just put the cloth diaper on them at night if, you sh- once, we're, once we're there?
1: You certainly can. The, the problem with a cloth diaper is that if you're giving your child the autonomy to get up, and if they, one, have a bathroom in their room, or two, they have access to a bathroom, and they're independent enough, especially two-and-a-half, three years old, um, and some of them night times, you know, they're still wet at three-and-a-half, then they can't really get the, the diapers harder to get off. So it,
3: it doesn't matter, disposable, any of that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's just harder because we want them to be able to take it off and go on their own and not have to get you or not have to say, oh, I'm not going to call and I'll just, you know, go because I'm wearing a diaper. We, we try to get them to see the pull-up as similar to underwear. And once they start having a dry diaper a couple of mornings and you can track it with them when you start to really see that, oh, there are several mornings they're dry, that's a time to take them away at night. Is this the same for naps as well? Same for naps, yes. When they're going, you have them sit before they take their nap and get up. And if they're waking up with a dry diaper, and often naps will happen sooner than nighttime because it's a shorter period, if they wake up dry several times with their nap a couple
4: times in a given week, it's time to take them away. So you take them away completely cold turkey? Because my son, we recently potty trained him, and he's really good. He doesn't wet at night or naps. But every once in a while, he does. So I'm like, do I keep the No, then you take (laughs) him away. If he's... If that's
1: every once in a while, it's fine. And and that brings me to what do you do at night when they wake you up in the middle of the night because they're wet and you're delirious. (laughs) So, one, you want to cover your mattress with a waterproof sheet then you want to have your sheet on so if they were to go and many of you have that so this way they go well here's the the key there's something called a waterproof pad it's usually if you have a twin size or if you have a toddler bed they make them that long it covers that area of the bed so it's not necessarily a mattress but it it goes over it's
3: kind of like a puppy pad it's kind of like a puppy
1: pad but it covers the top of your mattress you lay that down on top of the sheet that you have and you put on another sheet So in the middle of the night, when you're delirious and your child goes, I'm wet, and you have to change the blanket and you have to change his pajamas, you're now going to take off that first sheet and pad underneath, and you still have a sheet and a mattress pad underneath again. So you're protected usually what we do is we only have one. So in the middle of the night after we get them ready, they're sitting delirious and tired, and we're now changing their bed sheets and putting on new sheets and fixing the mattress. So that prevents that. And I have had families where we've done three layers Mm -hmm. because sometimes we'll have two accidents in a night, and we want to make sure that we don't get into that routine. And so we do an extra sheet and a pad and an extra sheet and a pad. Um, so that they don't have to do that that's a great that's a great idea
4: because yeah. <laughs> i have the pad but i've never done the sheet on top of it but then well, it and i guess you could be. even
3: do if you can't find those mattress pads even you know target do- has them
4: yeah. Yeah. walmart has them mm-hmm.
1: everybody has okay. them. They are waterproof sheets any baby store They're waterproof pad it's a pad okay. we use them for older adults they put them down when you're in labor they have disposable ones but these are you know we're not talking disposable we're talking just one that goes in the washing machine and oh. it's a quilted pad oh
4: i have the disposable <laughs> no. one. You you can oh, use those, but, idea. but
1: you know, for, for as often as you're yeah, going to have it. Yeah. And, you know, even when a child is toilet trained and they, they're dry through the night,
3: a year later they can have an accident. They could get sick. There's regression. So now, what causes uh, regression? Because I know a kid will be going great, will be having um, on the toilet, and then all of a sudden accidents all the time.
1: Regression is caused in childhood across all sorts of things by change. So if a child is sick, first and foremost, and they're not feeling well, the, the steps that they've mastered up until that point, they tend to regress. If you have had major change, like moving, and there's a disruption in their routine, you're going to see change, fears, and some anxiety. If there's a new baby in the house, if you've gone away for a week, and you left them with grandma and grandpa, and all of a sudden they're wedding, it's not surprising when there's changes like that, children adjust, and the first things to go when you've recently mastered things is you, you, you're not on top of it. It takes a lot of energy, mental energy to, to come think about those things. And when you're preoccupied with other things, those things tend to go just like it does in adults. When we're preoccupied with other things, we tend to forget where we left something or we forget to pay a bill or we forget to do something, things that we normally do because we're overwhelmed with other things.
3: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Rappaport, for helping us learn how to potty train our kids. If you want more information on Dr. Rappaport, go to today's show on our episodes page, on our website, or visit growingupgreat.com. Before we wrap up today's show, here's Amy Sorter with some eco-friendly tips for new parents.
2: Hello, Parent Savers. I'm Amy Sorter, ecopreneur and co-founder of EcoSavvyMoms.com, where you can find information for your family on going green, saving money, and looking great doing it. Today, we're going to talk about organic produce for the family and what I like to call the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. We all know the importance of feeding our children healthy, well-balanced meals. And of course, fruits and veggies make up an important part of those nutrients. For so many reasons, purchasing organic produce is becoming increasingly Increasingly popular, but it still remains too expensive for many. Switching over to organic groceries can be a difficult and pretty expensive task, so I asked myself where can you save a few dollars and where should you spring extra for the organic? For those who want to start the switch but really can't afford to buy all organic, it's really important to know which fruits and veggies are less contaminated with pesticides and which are important to purchase organic. By avoiding the 12 dirtiest fruits and vegetables, or buying them organic, we can lower our pesticide exposure by almost 90%. Every year, the Environmental Working Group tests all produce to determine which carry the highest level of pesticides, and this is what they found. Now the dirty dozen are among the dirtiest, peaches, apples, sweet bell peppers. All of these are contaminated with over 90% tested positive for pesticides, celery, Nectarines, strawberries, and cherries also have a high percentage of pesticides, over 90%. Kale, lettuce, and imported grapes and carrots and pears round out that dirty dozen. Now, new to the dirty dozen are carrots and kale, which they didn't used to have on it last year, and spinach, one of my favorites, dropped to the 14th dirtiest, and potatoes have dropped to 15th. Now, here's the exciting news. This is where you can really save money and get excited about what you're buying. You can buy these items non-organically and try to save some money. Now, onions, no detectable residue on 90% of more of their samples. Avocados, my absolute favorite. My daughter and I eat these every day tested less than 10% positive for pesticides. Frozen sweet corn and pineapples tested less than 10% positive, while mango, asparagus, and frozen sweet peas were also on the list. Kiwi's another great one, cabbage, eggplant, papaya, a summertime favorite watermelon, tested only 28% positive, broccoli, tomatoes and sweet potatoes and grapefruit round out the clean 15. To see a full list of the 47 fruits and veggies tested and for other planet-friendly eco tips, visit ecosavvymoms.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ecosavvymoms. And don't forget to make it a green day.
3: That wraps up today's episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions for our expert about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775 or send us an email through our website, parentsavers.com or Facebook page, and we'll answer your question in an upcoming episode. Coming up next week, we're starting a two-part series on postpartum depression in both moms and dads. Next week, we're talking to the mamas about overcoming the baby blues. Thanks for listening to Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere.
6: and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.